Welcome to Mission Unplugged, genuine conversations about Christian faith in action with young innovators locally, nationally, and globally. I'm Jesse. I'm Mitch. And I'm Elise. Welcome to this episode of Mission Unplugged. In this episode, Elise caught up with Charlene De Los Santos of Surrender Co. Charlene is the director of Surrender Co, an organization calling followers of Jesus to the margins. Born in the Philippines, Charlene moved to Nam or Melbourne when she was six years old. Charlene is passionate about seeing the church flourish in cultural diversity. Starting with the simple desire to tell her friends about Jesus, Charlene shares how her understanding of mission has grown from a lunchtime group at high school to examining how the radical message of Jesus calls us to transform the very structures of our society. My highlight was how the Bible became alive to Charlene as she explored mission and her faith became less individualistic. I love how Charlene talks about the surrender events and how they can be a meeting place between local churches and marginalized peoples. I know that I've seen that whenever I've attended a surrender event. Yeah, it was so inspiring to talk to Charlene about the fullness of God's vision for the world and how surrender encourages local churches to embrace that kingdom diversity. We hope you enjoy this episode of Mission Unplugged. We don't listen to people who are different from us, um, who have a different life experience. Um, Then our yeah, our view of God becomes so narrow, um, but God is so big. <laughs> like, I think that's what we forget. God is uh, amazing and uh, bigger than what we can imagine. And um, and I think we need to remember that um, that everyone, that, you know, it's a gift to the church. I mean, where did mission start for you? Um, yeah, so uh, I guess it would have been like around when I was 15, 16 years old. I think that was like year 10 in terms of when I think about uh, mission at that time in terms of sharing God's love to those around me. That's how I saw mission at that time. Yeah. And how did you, what did that look like for you? Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess at that time I I had just taken uh, my faith a bit more seriously, um, and so it was uh, anyway just a bit of background I guess in terms of church upbringing and everything. So uh, I actually grew up in a a church that was considered a cult at the time. <laughs> so, wow! Um, and what that meant, <laughs> um, <laughs> what that meant was. Uh, that we actually saw um, ourselves as like the one true church and that's it and very much into um, uh, keeping the laws and this is like Old Testament laws, so all the festivals and all this stuff and, you know, you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that and you had to like keep the Sabbath and all this stuff. So it was that was kind of my upbringing, um, which had positives and negatives as well. Um, but uh, there was a lot of, yeah, it was really strict and there was, um, uh, that, that kept us, I guess, away from the rest of the church and the wider church. And so uh, there was a massive doctrinal change in the 90s within the church itself, uh, which meant that we shifted from this uh, framework of salvation um, from uh, doing stuff, so earning our salvation to, uh, to grace. 
so um, which was amazing, um, and it meant that our our small you know our denomination opened up to the rest of the wider church, and and that meant that. Uh, our youth group, a whole bunch of young people, then were exposed to this whole other, <laughs> whole other world uh, of church expression. Um, and so, I, uh, uh, yeah, one one opportunity that came up was all our um, our youth group went to our first Youth Alive concert, um, which was a massive uh, shock to the system <laughs> in lots of ways. I can imagine. <laughs> If you've grown up in kind of a really conservative church that was like hymns and, you know, really long sermons and all, all this stuff. Um, and so. It wasn't quite the dancing hands up at no, the front. <laughs> not quite. Uh, yeah, you know, the piano at the front and, you know, <laughs> very much old school. And then you go to like this Christian thing that was like with bands and a concert. And I was like, what? is this like it was kind of blowing me away um but it was kind of this amazing opportunity um yeah to be exposed to other forms of what it means to be church um really and follow Jesus so um I guess from there I I had lots of questions at that time trying to figure out my my life and my purpose and pathways because I was like year 10 um and you kind of get all that pressure in year 10. What are you going to do for the rest yeah, of your definitely. life? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, at, at, they had a they had a um, altar call at that time. I went down for the altar call. Um, this was after Tony Campolo was speaking at that one, um, which was an amazing opportunity here, Tony. Um, but uh, I kind of didn't know what I was going down for. It was kind of one of those, look, I feel like, um, I want to do something with my life. God, I don't know. I'm just, this is kind of one response <laughs> at the moment yeah. to figure out <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, and then at that, at that event itself, my youth leader won a, um, an Easter camp, um, ticket, a youth alive Easter camp ticket, um, a couple of tickets. So me and, uh, another friend, uh, got the opportunity to take that ticket, um, yeah, those two tickets. So we went and from there I had an amazing experience, um, I guess, uh, yeah, this this sense of God just surrounding me with his love. That's what happened at the camp. Um, and and from there I guess it was like, okay, I'm sold out. <laughs> um, and it, it was seriously just a matter of that, like really being and, yeah, surrounded by God's love. And I wanted others to know about God's love for them. Um, yeah, it was kind of yeah that simple at that time um, in year 10 and wanting to just share that with my classmates, with my friends, with, you know, whoever <laughs> would listen um, and, yeah, and, and tried to figure out how I could do that in my school setting. So, like, really that, that change to coming to experience God as someone who is there and loving and uh, actually – close and the experience of grace led you to that wanting to express mission practically yeah pretty much um yeah and and just yeah wanting people to know that for themselves too yeah so what uh what did it look like when you first went back with this passion to tell help people experience that love that you'd experienced my first step was to find try to find out who are the other Christians in my school, <laughs> in my high school. Kind of hard to do. <laughs> like I remember how it kind of spread. I think You I kind of like, dropped that 
oh how was your sunday yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> um, yeah i can't even remember how it was going around um but i yeah i was just trying to suss out yeah who are these underground christians i guess <laughs> these quiet ones <laughs> um, and and found a few <laughs> um and uh yeah and then found out one of my classmates was was friends with some uh scripture union workers as well and so and that's how I got connected to scripture union so um yeah a couple of these scripture union workers who I'm still friends with now um they they were trying to help me um to find ways that I could make some sort of difference in my school so you know we were trying to figure out if we could run some lunchtime programs um using some of their resources um but it was really difficult at that time because I think I think there probably was a history in my school um, and there was kind of an anti-Christian sentiment probably. Um, But it was, yeah, it was really difficult to actually run stuff. Um, And so we ended up um, doing a regular prayer prayer group, um, just praying for our friends, praying for our school. Um, We found out a Christian teacher who was willing to support us and, you know, open up um open up one of the classrooms for us like yeah it was yeah it was just a really good time to just like yeah gather with other Christians and be praying for each other and for our friends um yeah and and I guess for me it was just a matter of like yeah we were inviting people to yeah come to Youth Alive conferences like Youth Alive rallies and all that sort of stuff and what activities we could connect some of our friends to so that's kind of how it looked like in yeah in the school setting yeah at that time. You, you said there were a lot of challenges, but how mm. did you how did you navigate as like a, I guess a guessing sixteen seventeen year old person trying mm. to start up a some type of mission program in in the school where you know everyone? Um, how did you navigate hitting up against those challenges? And also, what was it like experiencing those kind of wins when you did get um, mm. see God working there? Mm. Um, yeah, I. Or did yeah. you like? How did yeah, you feel about um, it? I was really, um, yeah, because we. I remember we were we we couldn't really even get like uh, a time with the principal to chat through what we wanted to do. Like, yeah, because I'm not like a strongly assertive person in general. <laughs> <laughs> so, like at U10, you're like, ah, uh, can I speak to the principal about an idea that we have? <laughs> um, and like, and I, I guess the yeah the the work is that scripture and we're trying to help as well and and but couldn't even get it uh, a time with the principal either um and so we were just uh yeah we were <laughs> just trying to do a few different things to see if we can get away with some stuff uh, but but we like I just remember being sad about like one of the posters we put up about the different activities we were trying to run and I saw a teacher pull it down like I was just like yeah it was just kind of disheartening I think as a U10 person um but uh, I had a lot of good people around me so um you know I remember times praying for encouragement one day when I was on the tram going back home and I was like, God, I just need some encouragement. And I saw my one of our youth leaders from church on the same tram, <laughs> you know, like just randomly. And we're like, oh, let's chat. And, you know, he was just encouraging me to keep going. And um, so I felt really God close at the same time. Um, and, um, yeah, just pouring out my heart to God about some of the stuff I wanted to do. But lots of good people around me, I think, just supporting me. And, um, yeah. And it sounds time. like um- – sounds like prayer was a big part of it as well even if mm. it wasn't a in, intentional thing just that 
honest pouring pouring out my heart to God. God, this kind of sucks. Can oh yeah, totally, me? absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's why. Yeah, I just felt so close to God at the same time, even though you, yeah, you'd get discouraged and you know things aren't going the way you'd hope. But yeah, I think God just provided for what I needed at that time. So then I guess as a, as a young person, what happened next after this initial kind of enthusiasm for mission? How mm. did you continue along yeah. from there? Um, so I yeah, got involved in, um, in yeah, youth ministry stuff in my church, um, just yeah, volunteering and getting involved in whatever I could, um, developing some of those leadership skills and running different activities and all that stuff. Um, and uh, from then I was kind of questioning, yeah, what next, you know, after high school. Um, and I, I wanted to be a youth pastor <laughs> at that time and, and kind of, you know, that's kind of the stepping stone in lots of ways, you know, you're involved in youth ministry. Um, and uh, so there was lots of challenges uh, in in that sort of uh, pathway in terms of wanting to go to Bible college and all this stuff. Uh, and for me being an, an Asian person <laughs> and lots of expectations from Asian parents, Asian migrant parents, uh, their idea of me going to Bible college and being a youth pastor uh, was not a positive <laughs> positive idea. Even though they're Christian, it was kind of one of those, uh, I don't think that will be a great job. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of wrestling around cultural expectations. Um, but uh, we kind of... Yeah, there was a bit of a compromise then. So, uh, so I was still friends with what um, the Scripture Union workers at that time, and so they were helping me work out, you know, what are some pathways. Um, and one of the workers is Asian himself, so he understands some of those expectations. Um, so he was trying to help me figure out, um, yeah, what would be a great pathway um, to still be able to serve in some way around youth ministry. Um, and so I ended up studying at RMIT, doing a youth work course, and that was kind of acceptable <laughs> to my parents. So, um, so I didn't end up doing Bible college, which I actually uh, was grateful because I was like 17 at the time. Like, I, yeah. It was one Hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, different feelings. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so started, um, yeah, studying there and, um, yeah, and kept getting involved in Scripture Union as well. Um, and uh, volunteering and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm um, looking looking through from our um, chatting before this interview, you mm. actually took on quite a few like internship or mm. similar roles as a young person, probably between like I'm guessing that 17 to about mm. 19, 20. Is that mm. that would be about right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like what was the motivation to sign up? Because it was quite a few. It wasn't just like one. It was like two or three at the same time, wasn't mm. it? There was a, yeah, well, because there was um, a multiple uh, placement opportunities as well um, as part of my youth work course. Um, yeah, I, I did one placement at, yeah, at Scripture Union at the time. I did um, uh, a thing with uh, Filipino Concerns Australia as well um, and a placement uh, with the Baptist Union as well around multicultural youth stuff um and so yeah I got involved in a few different things and and still volunteering at church as well um yeah just a whole bunch of things really to give things a go and get to know people and network and yeah try different things yeah and what were those experiences like did they help 
shape your understanding of mission or what, what did you kind of get out of those experiences? Yeah, so I guess lots of my um, my missional experiences or, or ideas around mission came about more from my time with Scripture Union because I was uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff with them. So even like before, I'll just go back a bit, even before um, uh, doing university, um, you know, the, I, I remember this, uh, we did a year 12 uh, end of year 12 camp, kind of like your schoolies camp uh, called Plunge with Script Union. And I remember that was the first time um, when I guess the Bible was really opened up in a different way for me. Um, so not this kind of really individualistic faith um, of salvation, I guess, of, you know, um, uh, but it was, yeah, it opened up this whole other expression of of what it means to follow Jesus and um, there was workshops around social justice and I was like, what is this thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've never heard about stuff around social justice stuff, um, you know, in my church world. Um, yes, you know, we're nice and give and all that stuff, but in terms of social justice as a concept and as something that that God is passionate about, um, like that was the first time I'd heard any of that. Um, and so that was a really, uh, I guess, turning point in how I then engaged with the Bible and how I saw God at work in the world and what God's mission is um, in the world as something being quite uh, bigger and uh, looking at the big picture of things, of restoring all things, uh, restoring all create all of creation together again. Um, and so uh, I think for me, yeah, lots of those then, um, expressions um, kept coming out in in my work at Scripture Union. So I was involved in um, uh, initially in volunteering the, with uh, at risk um, Asian students in high schools, um, and that kind of opened up because uh, I was a really sheltered person. <laughs> so <laughs> hearing hearing stories from from kids from refugee backgrounds. Uh, for the first time like I yeah even though I'm like I'm Filipino so we yeah we didn't really struggle in terms of like you know escaping from anything or whatever but even though it had its own struggles but hearing from other Asian especially from Vietnamese um, young people about their experiences and struggles um, and their families was an eye-opener for me and so um, yeah just being able to sit and hear those those things that they've struggled with um yeah was was yeah really great experience for me to hear um and open up I guess my worldview as well um yeah yeah so it sounds like that that was a big factor in shaping mission because you know all of those things are, are quite profound things to be able to sit with as a young person and understand that bigger picture of what God's doing in the world Absolutely. Yeah. And I think when, yeah, when you're just so sheltered, <laughs> I think, and then being able to meet new people and, um, yeah, it just totally opens up your mind and world. So obviously currently you're working with Surrender and we want to talk a little bit about your work with Surrender, but you did before working with Surrender, you worked, continued to work with SU for like 10 years. Yeah. Just um, over, yeah. Just over 10 years. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mainly in schools-based ministry, yeah. 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 Can you tell us a bit about what that was like? I know 10 years is a long time just yeah, yeah. to condense, but yeah. what was that like? 
Uh, yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I started with uh, working particularly with at-risk young people um, in high schools. Um, and I guess at that time, because there's been such a massive shift in schools ministry in general about, you know, what, you know, what your Christian organisations can do and can't do and what's, um, and so there was a, a big shift uh, from uh, our school's ministry framework at Scripting into looking at community development models in actually, you know, how do we um, contribute to the life of the school for them to flourish. Um, I was doing, um, yeah, so so small group development um, stuff uh, with with young people from Western suburbs, Asian backgrounds. And then there was a shift to doing, yeah, how it links to camps. So a camping ministry was involved. And then and then scripting and towards the end of my time, uh, we decided to get into chaplaincy as well. Um, so I was managing chaplains um, and thinking about how chaplains can play a role in, uh, yeah, in a more community development role in trying to encourage uh, community engagement in your local school, um, how to encourage churches to think about being, um, being an asset, I guess, to the local school um, in strengthening, um, you know, young people and building their resilience and all this stuff. So um, there was a lot of different things, I guess, <laughs> I was mm. doing stuff on the ground with young people to then shifting a little bit and managing um yeah managing chaplains and um and different uh youth workers and all that stuff but um yeah and I was also doing uh internship programs so um because it was modeled to me this sort of internship um process as me as an intern at Script Union myself I was really passionate about making sure there was an internship program as well um and uh yeah, so so linking that all in with our school's ministry framework at that time too, and and giving opportunities for for young emerging leaders to give things a go, um, and just making sure there's a space for them to develop as leaders and as followers of Jesus as well. So, um, yeah, there was just a whole bunch of stuff, and from there, I I found myself that I was actually attracting um, some uh, leaders from. Uh, culturally diverse backgrounds uh, from volunteers and interns um, uh, and I think you know the same uh, for me when I, I met one the, one of the script junior workers who's Vietnamese um, and so that like I just I just felt like oh you know who are the other leaders from culturally diverse backgrounds then and I'm like oh is that why they kind of need uh need a person to debrief lots of the cultural identity stuff that's going on um in their minds as well and so uh yeah that that became a really important space I think for some of those young people young leaders yeah 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 it sounds like it grew quite naturally but was that something that started to become a bit more intentional as you recognize those things through that work um uh I feel like it uh, well, later on, maybe, <laughs> but at that time, it was kind of like people were kind of just um, referring some other people for me to mentor, um, and people still do that now, <laughs> like because they know. I think you know from other, especially other young uh, Asian women leaders. Um, I get a I get a lot of people referring some of those leaders to me I think because it's because they know they're going through uh lots of their questions around culture and faith um and vocation as well so um and 
and I love being able to just sit there with other other young emerging leaders uh, from yeah from diverse cultural backgrounds so um yeah well yeah it wasn't I don't think it was intentional like that <laughs> that's it was kind of just people like hey you should chat to Charlene and then we yeah, ended up getting along to... yeah started to build um, yeah, yeah. a trend. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <That's what happened. laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so why are those, uh, like, I guess, internship or men- mentoring kind of sounds like a good fit here, but you might have better a better word for it. Um, why are those spaces really important in your opinion? Um, I think, uh, I guess, internships or mentorships and um provide opportunities to uh, explore what you're passionate about, where God might be at work, your sense of vocation. Um, They provide opportunities for just developing your leadership skills. Um, uh, Yeah, you just get a whole bunch of different experiences really. Um, And and I think being able to do that with a group of, I guess the internship programs um, was good in terms of having a group of people to journey with and reflect with so it's kind of lots of your action reflection sort of stuff um giving things a go and then reflecting it with people and going oh you know what's been meaningful and what's been helpful um yeah and how is God at work then in my life and um yeah like I love internships like (laughs) because yeah you just I think you just grow so much during those times um yeah, with other people. And I think having that safe space to debrief as well and bring your hard questions to the table, um, yeah, is really important, Um, especially, yeah, I reckon especially in your 20s when you're trying to figure out who you are and what's going on. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I had someone explain, this was in relation to spiritual gifts, but Mm. um, completely was like such a changing thing. They, They just said like, well, the best way to figure out which spiritual gifts you have is just to test it. Just give yeah. it a shot and see what, what happens. And yeah, if, if God shows up, maybe you have that gift. And yeah. this idea of that action and reflection and yeah. actually doing that stuff, figuring out by doing is um, super important. As a young person, personally, oh, that absolutely. was so important because yeah. I'd taken every personality test under the sun to see which gift I had. But the <laughs> idea of actually going and doing it and seeing what God did in that space was foreign Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 20-something. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, you just got to give it a go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Surrender, mm. you've been with them for a few years now, but mm. tell me how that all got started. Uh, yeah, so so I did, uh, like I mentioned, yeah, just over 10 years with Scripture Union and I, I was looking back in, you know, that time to go, well, God, how, you know, how have you been at work in my life? What are some of the key threads, I guess, that you've been weaving in my life? Um, and, and those things came up around, yeah, culture, um, being an important thing, um, being, yeah, a, a, yeah, important space to explore, uh, working with emerging young leaders was important to me. Um, and so I wanted to explore those themes a bit more. Um, yeah. And I, you know, had a heart for, um, what it looks like to follow Jesus in the margins. And, um, and so I, I took my sabbatical. Uh, took three months off, uh, not knowing what job I'd have. <laughs> I was just stepping out in faith, feeling like it's a new chapter. Uh, I prayed really specifically to God at that time. Um, 
And uh, so I asked for three things. So one was, um, can I can I have a an office in the western suburbs of Melbourne? Because I was really sick of driving everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was driving a lot for my role at Scott Junior. Uh, I was just over it. Um, and uh, secondly, can can someone just like give me the right fitting job for me without having to go through the whole interview process? <laughs> Can someone just give me what? Can someone just see what I've been good at and give me what? What would be great? Uh, and and thirdly, I was specific in going. Oh God, I think the only spaces where where culture was really celebrated that was another thing I I really wanted a, a workplace that was you know taking culture seriously. And so the only two places Christian spaces that I could think of at that time was uh, was Praxis, uh, which was a you know, organisation, Christian uh, youth work course at that time that's not running at the moment, but um, uh, and also a Surrender. And so uh, just gave that to God, very specific about what I wanted. So you said, can I have a, like, it would be great if it was Praxis or Surrender. Yeah, pretty much because it kind of <laughs> fitted Praxis. Uh, the office space was in the western westernish suburbs, and so was Surrender. I knew their office was in Footscray, uh, and, so, and then out of the blue, I uh, so one of the, the previous director Sam, who uh, who I'd met only a couple of times through my connections with Scripture as well, um, and we both knew we were passionate about the kingdom, passionate about you know schools ministry, all this stuff. So, um, but he called out of the blue. Um, saying hey uh let's chat <laughs> yeah, let's let's see what you know what are you up to <laughs> um and I guess at that time I didn't know that the the operations director at that time Anita was um had already done 10 years or so as well and was wanting to finish up uh, and wanting to pass on the baton herself um and so yeah just ended up having um yeah chats with both of them um, and what the role was, what this, yeah, it was an operations director role. So, um, yeah, ha- like what, yeah, what that role would mean. And uh, and Sam had seen me already doing a whole bunch of events, event-based stuff as well through scripting and then he knew I'm, I was organised enough to do all that and, co- <laughs> and coordinate things uh, and, and use the networks that we were a part of. So, um, yeah, and then from there it was kind of like uh, – yeah, it was a good fit. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of was really hilarious. So the three-part prayer was pretty much completely yeah, yeah, answered. Yeah, I was pretty specific. Um, yeah, with <laughs> God. Um, yeah, it was great. So, so yeah, so I've been at Surrender now for five years. Uh, yeah, the first year, because there's so much to pick up, that's not written in documents. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, spent the first year just, you know, shadowing, Anita in her operations director role and then um yeah and then ended up taking her role the following year um and then maybe a year a couple of years later sharing um the directorship role with with Sam so we were co-directors um it's we're not a big staff team so (laughs) it sounds like it's all important (laughs) uh functions of this organization but uh but I think it was kind of more around affirming that you know these two different roles um, uh, help shape, um, yeah, the direction of surrender. So it was affirming the role that I that I already have a lot of decision making uh, authority, I guess, in the space, 
uh, and sharing that co-directorship role. Um, yeah, and then Sam finished up over a year ago or so, or year, nearly a year and a half ago. Um, and, yeah, so now I'm directing Surrender. Yeah, so obviously yeah. like a big part of what is now Surrender Co. Yes. Is the um, the conference. There's yes. the one in Melbourne and now a couple of others, the one in WA and South Australia. But yeah. can you give us a bit of an insight into what it takes to pull together Surrender Conference? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so Surrender itself has been like the conferences have been happening for 16 years. Um, and we, we say that we're a collective of different organisations and individuals passionate about uh, following Jesus in the margins. Um, and so it really takes uh, so it's all a bunch of partner organisations working together um, and, yeah, it's one of the hardest events to pull off. Um, so there's about, you know, uh, 40 different organisations involved in some level and then you've got lots of, you know, individual churches as well. Um, and and it's, uh, it's about, I guess, balancing lots of those voices as well and what we prioritize in and not losing kind of this this space of making sure we are um uh, amplifying I guess the voices uh who are marginalized who we don't get to hear from very often so it it's I we we call it um like the the imagery that I have when I think about surrender conference is the riverbed or the campfire and so it's kind of everyone coming together with their stories with their uh with their strengths in lots of ways and bringing it to be shared amongst the rest of the community um the wider church and it um it's a beautiful thing like it's it's exhausting for me to run, but, but beautiful at the same time uh, in being able to see all these different communities and all the amazing things that they're doing and, and yeah, and just listening and hearing from them. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy. Like if you're in event management stuff and at least like you've, you know, you've seen, you've worked with me as well in the graphic design side. <laughs> we have worked together. I have some insight. Um, the craziness of, of sending yeah. documents back and forth. Um, but, uh, but but having yeah. said that, I mean, we are like in Embody's role and just personally have been to surrender so many times yeah. and definitely being there and experiencing it isn't a, a stressful or like, wow, this is such a crazy event to run. It all yeah. comes together incredibly well. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's a lot of, it takes a long time to get, I guess it's, yeah, we pretty much start from like media listening to God together as a collective of organisations, you know, what is God doing and wants to speak to us in this season? And so we do a whole day together um, discerning and listening to each other and then and then we, you know, a few of us then will come out of that and think about, you know, what are the key themes then and then we land on a theme that we think God is speaking to us about and what the wider church needs to hear and then a lot of collaboration and a lot of conversations in between, um, yeah, for, you know, for the next six, seven months really. And then, yeah, and then try to implement it all. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, just, just just casually implement the whole thing. But yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah. Um, yeah, really um, interesting to hear that, that that all begins from a place of prayer and a place of reflection um, 
that that that's that's where it all flows from um and and on that note um with your time with surrender how have you seen god at work in the surrender conference and the work of surrender more broadly yeah um i think we've we've kind of i feel like we've been one piece of the puzzle of what god's doing uh especially in australia i think there's been you know there's been a massive shift uh in the wider church in terms of where justice fits into that into the big picture of yeah god making you know things whole again and restoring relationships and um and uh yeah i I think there's i think the narrative in churches has changed and now i'm hearing more and more um people i guess speaking about justice what does that look like um and i think we've been one piece in that conversation that shift i guess and particularly because uh, we're really passionate about making sure Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, uh, voices are heard by the wider church. And we've seen that shift as well in the church now that we're, people are really interested in wanting to listen. Um, you know, in, our, uh, in the conferences itself, we, uh, we have a, a thing called the Yarning Circle tent where we have a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders uh, facilitate workshops and Bible studies. Um, and I think I heard like when at the, you know, earlier days uh, that tent wouldn't be as full, uh, but now it's like the most packed <laughs> that they're overflowing into the, to the rest of the space. So, um, so even that interest now to hear from, our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders uh, is amazing. Like it's a massive shift and people are waking up slowly to the issues that are um, affecting the communities. And um, and I think God is, yeah, God has, I guess, used surrender in this space to have the, the conversations. Um, yeah, and it's been amazing to see. So I think continuing to think about, um, yeah, making sure voices who we usually don't get to hear from are heard by the wider church and using the platform that Surrender does have, um, yeah, to make sure those voices are heard um, is really important. Yeah, because you mentioned, um, I, I might be paraphrasing, but like Surrender's mission is around calling followers of Jesus to the mm. margins mm. and has a specific focus on lifting up uh, the voices of people in the margins. I think they're the, yeah. the wording you kind of use. Yeah. Can yeah. you Tell us, like, what does that mean to you mm. and to the surrender team, and and what does that look like in practice to achieve those things? Um, so, so yeah, we say that we what we want to do is move. Uh, what we want to do is motivate Christians um, to move from interest to action, to actually be personally um, involved in Christ's expression towards uh, the poor and marginalised. And so part of that is actually really taking seriously what Jesus is on about. <laughs> so taking seriously, um, you know, we, we read in the story of Jesus when he reads out his manifesto, his purpose, I guess, uh, for being on earth um, in terms of bringing good news to the poor, um, uh, uh, yeah, um, you know, releasing the oppressed, all these things, like what does that, actually look like in practice um in our context now are we listening to 
who are, you know, who are the poor and marginalised in our context now? Um, so part of that in our, I guess, conferences is looking at that um, and then not just like looking but actually opening up the space then to hear from those who are marginalised. Um, and so, yeah, like a massive thing is hearing from our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders because there's not many spaces where you can do that <laughs> and and not many spaces other conferences that might provide that space um, and platform um, and being able to sit and listen to their stories um, and that's I think that's an important thing to actually be able to sit with people and sit and lament in some of that pain because of marginalization um, and uh, and and then not just sitting there, but then what does it mean for me then as a follower of Jesus to take action? Um, what does it mean for me to speak up when I see oppression? Um, you know, what systems and structures might be actually, um, you know, continuing to oppress people? Um, and how can I be part of like shaping things and changing things and challenging things and so we yeah so our I guess our our conferences and gatherings try to model what that might look like for the church and so even the name surrender is huge in terms of well you know if you uh, think about you know who has power (laughs) who has who has uh, the resources and who has the power to, to decide lots of how things are structured and all this stuff that actually affect people? What what does it mean for the church then to surrender and relinquish power? Uh, and I think that's in the model of Jesus. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think I think we we like to have lots of control. <laughs> Um, and, um, yeah, but what does it mean to actually give up your life? Like, it's huge. Um, and so I think, I think what we're doing in Surrender is posing that question, like, do we take Jesus seriously enough, um, in our life? Um, and, and it is costly to follow Christ, um, to look at your life, um, to examine your life, <laughs> to and to take up, yeah, the cross, I guess, and and follow Jesus. Um, I mean, Jesus' life wasn't that great in the end, was it? <laughs> in terms of maybe like, not full of comfort and not, um, <laughs> comfort <great>. and um, <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. words or things like that. Well, you know, when you start challenging the yeah the the systems and structures that have I guess oppressed or, you know, when I think about some of the stories of of some of the religious rulers and what they did so that people couldn't access God and couldn't access healing and couldn't access things like and Jesus spoke out and they wanted to kill him. Like yeah. No, it always sticks with me that um it's always very interesting that when we read the Bible sometimes the people that uh Jesus you know, calls to account the most are the church. And that yeah. always sticks with me as something to remember that being a part of the church, there's still a big journey of learning for us oh, absolutely. Um, through Jesus' example. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the call, like 
to look at Jesus' life, like really. And what does that, yeah, how does that speak then into how you <laughs> how you live out your discipleship and your faith? Um, yeah, it's not all comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so you talked about surrender, like being a, trying to model what this could look like to the wider church. As this is very broad, so yes. as yeah. much or as little detail as, yeah, you, yeah. as you'd like, but with, um, who do you think the voices that are missing from the Australian churches are? Mm, yeah. Um, so uh, one of the things is I don't think they're missing. I think yeah. we are not listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, like even now, um, I'll mention it now, I guess, <laughs> you know, with the with the stuff that's happening around Black Lives Matters, um, uh, all these things that uh, people have been speaking out about injustice for a long time um but it's whether the church is willing to listen um because it's yeah it's uncomfortable it requires people to do something and be part of changing things and um and so I think of some of the voices even within the surrender conferences so um yeah I mentioned our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, Christian leaders I uh, we have a strong um, group that comes from uh, LASH, so communities uh, who have a commitment to living uh, uh, with people with disabilities, CVM community who are committed to, uh, you know, people with disabilities um, uh, and making sure their voices are heard as well. Uh, people from, yeah, culturally diverse backgrounds, refugee backgrounds, um all these voices uh, can easily be you know drowned out um and it's not even yeah I think sometimes it's interesting when yeah what it means to model it in a conference setting um means that things will take longer to happen um sometimes uh sometimes <laughs> time management <laughs> in a conference <laughs> uh, changes <laughs> um, because we, we've decided we're gonna you know oh there's there's this elder or leader that wants to speak in that space yep let's change it on the spot I've had to, we've had to do that and be flexible um uh we even like even stuff like accessibility uh and it's tricky in our venue as well like what does it look like to make spaces like actual physical space accessible um just thinking about who you um put up on the platform on on the main stage who are the people we actually see um even from things like uh yeah who are the keynote speakers who are um who do we put up on um you know our graphics our flyers all these things because as for me as a person of color like I look at that stuff and go hey who who is the speakers and workshop presenters and all this stuff and who's going to be around is it representative of me like am I welcomed into this space um and so I think yeah I think making sure people are represented um is important yeah, and I think, you know, there's lots of practical, simple steps for churches and other conference organisers which you can do to make sure that it is reflective of our our Christian church and that there is a diverse 
um, bunch of voices having a say. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think because it's it's actually a gift to the church, this diversity, uh, being able to hear from, uh, yeah, especially voices who uh, continue to be marginalised because, I like, I think the thing I've loved being part of Surrender is learning from their experiences and being able to sit there and, um, yeah, it, it's just another way, I think, of looking at Christ and what it means to really hold on to Jesus when when you sometimes don't have anything else. <laughs> I think that's the, like, I've, um, yeah, I think that's what I've seen a lot of the time when I sit with um, and listen to people's stories. Um yeah, their relationship, their deep relationship with Christ, and where and and how important that is, and that's a reminder for me and the wider church. Um, instead of you know holding on to other things that are sometimes fluff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think it was like a very true challenge in and how you, I, I guess, corrected the wording of the question because even even to place it as what is missing from the church rather than who are we not listening to who are yeah. already a part of the church is is a really strong reminder. And I guess so when when we don't listen to those diverse verse voices, when mm. we don't check who we're not listening to, what do you think we lose? Yeah, I think we just lose um, different perspectives and different ways of seeing God uh, different ways of reading the Bible together. Um, yeah, just just a whole other way of looking at things in another light. I think uh, I think we all need to be involved in listening to each other's stories um, because I think the thing is sometimes you know we box God in <laughs> into our own into our own image into our own, way of seeing God and so if we don't listen to people who are different from us um, who have a different life experience uh, then our yeah our view of God becomes so narrow Uh, but God is so big (laughs) like I think that's what we forget God is uh, amazing and uh, bigger than what we can imagine and um, you know we look at even looking at creation, how diverse everything is. And I think it's the same looking at people and how diverse people are um, is an amazing, um, I guess, amazing blessing to the church. Um, and I think we need to remember that um, that everyone, that, you know, it's a gift to the church to be able to listen to different perspectives and uh, being challenged to see a different way of seeing things and being reminded of stuff that maybe God needs to remind us of. Um, yeah, so we lose it if we're just in our own little bubble. Yeah. 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 No, I definitely know that um, that's, that's been something I've personally appreciated so much about surrender, that it that it is a space to go and listen constantly. And it always, God always speaks to me in ways I could never imagine mm, at surrender mm. when I sit and listen to someone who's had a different experience than me. So that's, yeah, a really great reminder to think that uh, while we might g- gain comfort from 
pushing God into our own little box, we lose mm. out so much of the breadth of mm. who God is. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So has these experiences with surrender, mm. um, have they shaped your understanding of mission from where you started? A, a lot of it, um, yeah, for me I think has been particularly, yeah, particularly like becoming friends with lots of Aboriginal uh, Christian leaders. Um, I think, um, yeah, it's just been, yeah, a blessing for me to sit and listen at, uh, I guess, the systemic stuff that continues to uh, oppress and um, dehumanise, I guess, um, their people. And um, I think for me, yeah, the call is, yeah, what action do I continue taking, I guess, in my life? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty personal, I guess, in lots of ways. Like what, um, yeah, I think as, as I, you know, as you get to know more people and knowing the challenges they face, um, it requires me to respond personally, um, I think. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, for me it's it's been like, yeah, sudden you know becoming more aware of what issues are happening in this world um because I think before probably I, I wouldn't have been that aware um of some of the issues and so yeah for me I think it's more personal what what do I put my energy into um yeah what's my response um yeah it's an ongoing thing I think <laughs> an ongoing yeah. how, how does mission when I think about mission now like in terms of um yeah God um yeah making things right again what's my role in that um you know there's there's kind of been a shift from you know at the start of this interview of me sharing about I just want people to know about God's love like that's what I thought mission is and and uh yeah and of course that's part of mission God loves you and um but you know, as you as you come to know Christ, as you come to know Christ's um, heart for the marginalised, um, and and joining in this, um, you know, what does it mean to bring good news to the poor? Practically, what does it mean to give your life to this purpose? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's yeah a lot of reviewing your whole life really and where you put your money where you put your energy how you spend your time um how do you how do you um yeah work towards systems that will actually help in flourishing the most vulnerable and the most marginalized um all these things I think um are choices and decisions we can all be part of in thinking through um and and therefore being part of you know God's um yeah god's kingdom come here on earth and and seeing shalom seeing the flourishing of all uh creation and so um yeah i hope that kind of helps a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's it's the big even just having this podcast be around like what is mission and what does it mean to be involved in mission as a young person is incredibly broad and yeah, yeah. so there's not yeah. really a you know, that you, you can simplify it down, but it's really great to see that, you know, 
realistically mission and the way we approach it changes over our lifetime and the things that we experience with God also change and and like where where we are at 15 might not be where we are at 35 and that's okay that's good um but also to see that actually the there are some things that don't change and that reliance on God and the the prayerful beginnings you know all of that is still reflected in in or at least I can see it reflected in the way you talk about your journey with surrender but it's that process of growing as yeah yeah well. absolutely yeah 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 which is great so I guess just to wrap us all off yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, but like um what what advice would you have for young people who are wanting to get involved in mission particularly for I guess missional expressions like surrender um yeah what would be your advice to getting getting started yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like I was mentioning before, like there's lots of opportunities to get involved in different things, giving things a go. Uh, and I know, you know, there's a million internships you could probably get involved in <laughs> these days. Um, but uh, like I was thinking about what would have been helpful for me as well. Um, and I think for me it would have been helpful to um, – to start even having spiritual direction uh, at the beginning in terms of just, and, you know, I know there's people with mentors and all that stuff, but, you know, being able to spend the time to listen intentionally to God with someone else debriefing, you know, how God is at work in my life. And also then, because um, I think we do a lot of action. <laughs> we There's a lot of stuff you can do. And so, where are the spaces where you are actually um, developing contemplative prayer practices because um, you can, yeah, you, I think you can easily burn yourself to out doing a whole bunch of stuff, but what are the practices that's going to help you sustain your faith long-term? And so I think, um, yeah, I think putting those things in place early, um, learning some of the contemplative practices in prayer and, learning what discernment looks like like there's all these ancient practices that I feel like we've um yeah we sometimes have missed out on or don't or don't emphasize as much um I think because we're we like to do stuff (laughs) lots of doing lots of going on mission and all this stuff but I think that yeah I think the balance of that is like yeah how do you yeah where do you find refreshment where do you find the time to dive deeper into your relationship with God and, um, yeah, and putting those contemplative practices early is kind of what I'd put next to mission. <laughs> so, um, yeah, going hand in hand with reflective practices. Yeah, that's great. Um, what if, what if some of like what have been some helpful contemplative practices or yeah. um yeah. some of those rhythms that you wish you could have put in a bit earlier into the yeah. piece? Yeah. Uh, so. Because uh, now, yeah, I'm doing more regular stuff around just spiritual direction and, um, yeah, having – I'm actually doing it weekly at the moment, but, <laughs> but there's a, a lot of stuff around, yeah, just monthly catch-ups with someone to reflect on where God's at work. Uh, daily stuff around, you know, there's the examine prayers at the end of the day, um, which is really simple, you know, 15-minute reflection times um, sitting there and just – looking back, being aware, 
you know, where has God been at work during the day? What were some of the things going on that um, that I need to keep thinking about or what flags were there that, you know, maybe God was whispering about something? Uh, there's just these really simple daily practices that I think we can put in place. Um, so that's what I've been doing um, as well, um, this end-of-the-day stuff. Um, and, yeah, like I was a big journaler. right since I was young as well so uh, lots of journaling Um, I got lots of diaries (laughs) but but yeah and part of that's just reflective practices I think and stopping Um, yeah I think that's helped me a lot and I think that yeah lots of those practices could help young people um, so finally, um, what's coming up next for Surrender and for yourself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we did have our Surrender conference cancelled this year, <laughs> which mm. was disappointing. Um, it was so disappointing. <laughs> the week before uh, due to COVID. Um, but we we hope that it will run again next year if, if, if all uh, lands in, you know, into place. Uh, but we uh, we... We recognise that the conference is, uh, you know, amazing as they are. It's just, you know, one aspect. And so what we want to do is actually develop, um, I guess, deeper engagement and deeper learning um, around some of the the themes that we've talked about. And so uh, we have just started a racial justice collective, uh, a learning community. Um, And so that's just that's online at the moment just on Facebook um and we're from there we're hoping to run a bunch of different um you know anti-racism workshops and what that looks like to reflecting on your own cultural tales um uh yeah so we're hoping to run a bunch of different things um for people to keep diving deeper into racial justice in particular um we've yeah we're we're hope hopefully uh, we're hopefully going to run a bunch of different um, uh, collectives uh, and webinars around different different things. But we – and because it's all up in the air with different uh, in-person activities at the moment, so we're trying to think creative as well about how we do things online. Um, but that's kind of a big area that, that I'm personally passionate about, um, racial justice stuff and what it means to, to – uh, yeah, continue hearing from diverse voices uh, in the wider church. And so, um, yeah, look us up <laughs> on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> just about to ask, like, um, if, if there are young people listening to this who think, well, maybe maybe the voices are, that I'm hearing aren't as diverse as I thought they were or I, I want to have a go and listen and see what this is like, what, are, what can they do to connect in with Surrender or some great places to listen? Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, just uh, if yeah, if you're on Facebook, um, there should be a link there around um, the Racial Justice Collective um, already. So yeah, look us up, Surrender, um, on Facebook, um, and there's a whole bunch of other resources on our uh, on uh, website. So surrender.org.au. Um, if you want to hear from a whole bunch of different keynote speakers from yeah from overseas and here. Um, there's a whole bunch of resources there. There's some Bible studies as well that can help you think about, you know, engaging in your local neighbourhood. Um, we're hoping we'll develop more resources as well to help people think about um, uh, 
uh, what it means to follow Jesus in the margins. Um, but yet, like at the moment, there's on yeah the website and and the Facebook group. Um, there's lots of good discussion happening on the Racial Justice Collective Facebook group at the moment. So uh, if you want to be challenged and sit there and listen, and uh, it's been great. <laughs> Is that right? A few of the um, the speakers and contributors that were planned to be at this year's conference have got. Um, online resource you've put together online resources that would have been at the conference this year yeah. as well yeah so um and we've just made that available we we did some uh webinars so we've recorded them and there's some available online so yeah it's just on the website and there's some links around that already if you yeah if you wanted to check out some speakers there outside of the surrender conferences what other initiatives are surrender co involved in uh yeah so we um we are trying to support um, emerging leaders from culturally diverse backgrounds as well. So we currently have a uh, a worker, uh, Ben, who is coaching um, some emerging leaders, so one-on-one coaching um, to support them in their own context, uh, which has been great. So we've done that for a year and hoping to continue that. Um, as an opportunity for them to to uh, yeah be supported and resourced, um, and we have a thing called Campfire, which is uh, trying to intentionally um, provide spaces for Indigenous and non-Indigenous emerging leaders to get to know each other, and so we've partnered with uh, with Dion um, up in um, Brisbane, and they've got an amazing uh, property in um dolby uh and we've yeah we've run campfire space there and just the retreat space to kind of provide for yeah for emerging leaders to get to know each other as well so we're trying to um i guess on the ground support yeah these emerging leaders coming up um as well and providing a space a safe space for them to debrief things because sometimes they don't have those spaces um yeah, and trying to support them while we also think about systemic change in the broader church, um, which kind of where our conferences kind of sit in a bit more. Yeah, and it kind of taps into that importance of those um, mentorship relationships, not only one-on-one, but that that space to reflect and, um, yeah, great. Um, and do you want, um, can you just let people know where to find you on social media, your tag and the website again? Yeah, so um, on Facebook, it's at Surrender Australia is the tag. And on Instagram, it's at surrender.co. Yeah, so that's our main two channels. But you can also um, sign up for our e-news via our website, so surrender.org.au. And then you should be able to type in your email if you want to be be updated on, on different things that we're doing. Yeah, and the um, upcoming conferences, COVID um, safety providing, um, hopefully we'll be back at a surrender conference soon. And there's there's conferences. Um, Do you want to just talk us through the different conferences for locations? Yeah, so we we have been running uh, Surrender Adelaide for the last seven years, I think. Um, And, uh, yeah, Surrender Melbourne is the one that's been the, the biggest one, which is kind of our national one. Uh, and then we started Surrender Perth last year. Um, yeah, but we, yeah, we don't know if they're running this year. <laughs> but 
<laughs> well, yeah, yeah. All the conferences are up in the air, but it's... But probably the next Sign one. up to the e Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll, you'll get updated on what's happening. But uh, we're hoping that next, definitely that March, the March one next year will run. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. That would be that would be great. We were so sad when it was cancelled. Oh dear. But got to be safe. Yeah, yeah. Thanks heaps to Charlene for joining us on Mission Unplugged. If you want to connect more with Surrender, you can find them on their website surrender.org.au or on social media on Instagram at surrender.co or on Facebook at Surrender Australia. Safe Water September embodies annual fundraising challenge to drink just water for one month is now live. We'd love for you to gather your Safe Water September squad and sign up to raise funds for life-changing Safe Water projects. Find out more and sign up at safewatersepember.org.au. Thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged, a podcast by Embody. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us so more people can find us. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And join in the conversation right now on our Discord server at embody.org.au slash discord. Embody is a national community of young people passionate about mission locally, nationally, and globally. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at embodyau and visit our website at embody.org.au. All the links are in the show notes. Embody is part of the Global Mission Partners family. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We recognise their continuing connections to land, water and culture. Music in the show is by Josh Woodward. We'll catch you next time and thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged.